The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucanon. Joining me this evening, Spencer Hagar, John Sestina. We are all certified financial planners. Good evening. Hey, good evening. How How's are you? Evening. Good. Hi, John. How you doing, big guy? Um, this is a big, day, big year for you. I'm feeling a little old, John. <laughs> I know you better. It's an IRS birthday for me. <laughs> Do you know uh, what that no means, Spencer? Kicking yet, Stephen? Not yet. Yeah, nope. a, I'm much of a nerd to know that, but yeah, it means the IRS is going to let you uh, contribute more to retirement right. accounts. Yeah, I turned fifty. <laughs> uh, getting old. I got some gray hairs, not on the scalp, but on the beard. Um, oh, the beard. Yeah. Yep. So got the grays going in, kicking in finally. Uh, 50 years old. So everyone's, I'm telling them it's my IRS birthday so I can add more to my retirement plans. <laughs> Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah. So I wanted to have some fun because you guys are going to be poking fun at my age. I wanted, I, <laughs> I wanted to uh, jump into the time machine and go back to 1970. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Spencer, do you know who was president of the United States in 1970? I do. I do like history. You are a history buff. Good old Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, exactly. So kicking back to 1970, so having fun with my 50th birthday here, uh, population of the U.S., little over 200 million people. Wow, we've grown a bunch. Right. Now we're at, what, 340? Yeah. Yeah. 340 million. Life expectancy back then? 82. 82. John, what would your guess be? Uh, let's see. I'm 78, so <laughs> four years. <laughs> right. Um, life expectancy in 1970 was the age uh, 70.8 years. Wow. Yeah. So healthcare has improved. Here's the big one: Dow Jones Industrial Average. Oh. Give John, me, you give got me this. the high for the year 1970. Like 800 or something. Okay. Wow, John, you get the A plus. It was 842, <laughs> right? And the low was 669. So now we're at what twenty seven thousand? Yeah, twenty eight. Right. So I remember I said to somebody, "Oh, that will be about over a hundred thousand in your lifetime." They said, "No way." I was like, "Probably." <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, boy, for right, sure. Right. Um, federal debt. <laughs> we're, oh. at, we're at what twenty four trillion? I think we're up to twenty seven, twenty eight after, after the stimulus. Yeah, after yeah. COVID, right? Three hundred and eighty billion was the national debt. So that's for 50, 50 years. That's Oop. what they're negotiating in Congress to spend. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John, here comes the good one for you. Yeah, okay. Cost of a new home in 1970. 1970? Yep. Uh, $10,000. Okay. I'd say 1520. Okay. 26,600. Well, that's why I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The other one that was really stood out to me was the median household income. 20 grand? 20 grand? No, 10, 15, 20. 20. Household income, I'll say twelve. Okay, it was eight eighty seven hundred. Okay, wow. Wow. yeah, right. Uh, cost of a first class stamp, three cents. 
three cents? Yeah, I'd say yeah. five. Yeah, I was guessed, I guessed 10 when I saw it. It was 0. 0.06, six cents, right? And then cost of a gallon of gasoline. Regular gas, obviously, because we had the, uh, right, regular unleaded. Nineteen seventy, it would be about forty-eight cents. I'd say twenty-five. Yeah, thirty-six cents. So you guys, guys, get good. John, you nailed it. Went back in your time machine. So yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm getting old. Nineteen seventy was the year, but it's been a good fifty years, and I'd say the next fifty will be good. But I'm not so sure I'll make it another (laughs) fifty. But however long, however long it lasts, if the next 50, next years are as good as the first fifty, it's all good with me. So, all righty. So let's get on with some more financial planning. That was just a good little uh, lapse in time. The reason I actually looked it up is I wanted to see cost of goods. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone who said, literally said to me, younger younger person uh, in their early twenties, said, "I'm I'm having a hard time understanding inflation." And I said, "That's understandable because the older you get, the easier it is to understand." Right. So to year over year, it's it's that silent killer. And but inflation is it's there. It's real. It happens. And you got to pay attention to it, and which is why, John, every show I think we talk about it is that living expense worksheet. You bet. Right. And seeing where your inflation is year over year and where you spend your money. Uh, I don't I believe don't don't go with what the government tells you. Right. Go with with what you spend your where your spending goes, because perfect example is sporting events. Right. Going to whether it's Ohio State football games or Blue Jackets games, how much do those tickets change year over year? That's inflation, right? It's not the 2% the government's going to tell me. It's Is it going up 8%, 7%, 5%, or cost of school, whatever it is. So pay attention to where your money goes because that's where the inflation will be found as well year over year. Uh, so this time of year, we're coming up here. We started the fourth quarter. So we're wrapping up 2020. So let's... The reason we start this now is because once December 31st hits, it's too late. So usually by Christmas time, that gets quick chaos. So start it now, start your fourth quarter, and also start to plan for 2021. And Spencer, we brought this up as a topic, open enrollment. So how should people think about open enrollment and what is it in the first place? Yeah, so open enrollment comes up quick. Most people probably know what it is. If you rely on your employer for benefits. Most common one people think of is health insurance. November is a pretty common month. It's when you got to start thinking about what coverage you need for the next year, 2021 in this case. And yeah, I'll start with health insurance. That's a big one. I mean, we could probably spend the rest of the segment on that. Yeah, we did it a few weeks ago with the, the insurance expert, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But see what see what coverage there is, right? And see who's on who, who you're insuring, whether it's a spouse, dependents, uh, see what options are available. What are some of the potential options that are on the table? With health insurance? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you could obviously have the family. Uh, you could have yourself and a child, or it could just be you as the single. So those are kind of the main ones. I won't get into the alphabet soup of the different types of health insurance plans sure. there. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of where it starts with. And on top of that, so once you get past health insurance, you can move into life insurance, disability insurance, some other benefits. It's It's kind of all-encompassing. Yeah, even the HSA. Exactly. Right? At, see if the HSA is available, a health reimbursement account. See what, what plans you have. And obviously, smaller companies are very limited, usually. Uh, bigger companies are a little bit more dynamic. And I think uh, even over the past uh, years, there's been some added benefits with law services. So you included would be in something we always talk about is get your estate plan documents done. Isn't that right, John? You better believe it. There's never a 
good time to wait. You should be on top of all pieces of your financial plan, no matter what age you are. Yeah, good. And and the other thing to do is when we're looking at a pay stub, right, and look at all the, the crazy uh, acronyms you'll see on your pay stub. If you don't know what it means, start digging and doing your homework. Uh, that's where a lot of those open enrollment benefits you'll see, whether it's life insurance, disability insurance, all those kick in uh, when you're uh, in your open enrollment season. So the tool that you would have is your uh, pay stub to look, see what's available to you. Yeah, now that uh, one of the challenges we have in our economy is companies make direct deposits. And so a lot of folks don't see their pay stubs per se, and they don't really know how much they're paying in tax or paying for any of these benefits or anything else. So you have to become a little more involved. And Spencer, when you see disability insurance, what do you uh, usually coach people with? Yeah, so I actually had someone ask me this about a week ago. He said, how many people come to you with this disability insurance through work and actually know what they're looking at? And I said, zero <laughs> percent. That's why it's usually a longer conversation. But yeah, usually just say it's a good start. It's good to have disability insurance through work. I almost always recommend it. But there are some gaps. You definitely want to dig into the details. And that's the hard part because you actually, nine times out of 10 or 99% of the time, you'll have to ask uh, payroll or HR for the definitions. And the definitions are key. Understand how you're insured, what are the exclusions, and make sure you have a good knowledge of, of how you're insured for your disability. So you're kind of racing through that, Stephen. What are you talking about? What are all those terms you're using? I mean... Yeah, good, What's that? good point. We're going to pick that up in the next segment. We're going to go into those definitions and what it really means. Uh, come back, tune in. Uh, when we come back from a break, you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me this evening is Spencer Hagar, John Sestina. We are all certified financial planners. Financial planning radio show. The reason we talk about financial planning is everyone needs a financial plan. It doesn't matter how much you make, how much you're worth. It's all important. Uh, first segment, we we're talking about open enrollment season. For those of you who have uh, group benefits or benefit packages through work, understand what open enrollment is all about. You'll probably get an email, but start to dig in. And it starts with looking at your pay stub seeing where you are contributing money to and find out how much life insurance you may be buying or how much life insurance you have. And part of that is confirming beneficiaries. Yeah, that's very, very true. Very important, uh, especially if it's an unfortunate situation. You may have gone through a divorce or something like that. Um, make sure the beneficiaries are updated. It's a good time to review them. Health savings account we mentioned, mm-hmm. right? That's a good tax planning Fourth quarter, we talk about tax planning, right? What's the importance of the health savings account? Yeah, so health savings accounts are great because they're pretty much triple tax advantage. So if you have what's called a high deductible health plan, you can sometimes get a health savings account. What it is, you contribute in pre-tax dollars, so you're saving taxes right there. It's a tax deduction. And then when you need to use the funds in that health savings account for qualified medical expenses, it comes out tax-free. So it's a great tool. I mean, it's Home a no-brainer. Yeah. Right. And the triple of it is now more and more HSA banks are allowing you to invest, right? So if you use it and accumulate, because that's a benefit of an HSA is you can accumulate the funds, you can invest it 
Uh, I saw it, you know, this opportunity this past year. I said, I have extra funds in the HSA. I don't plan on using. Went ahead and invested it when the market was down. That's where you buy low, right? So I took it as an opportunity to take a little bit of money, put it in to the market and get a little bit of growth on it. And the benefit of the HSA, as you said, the triple tax advantage. And then you also, they're there for your lifetime. So, John, you know, uh, in your retirement years, there's no health expenses, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys both uh, talked about the HSA to some extent, but you didn't say what happened to the money once it's in the health savings account. Right, it, all, it, right, it grows. Grow, grow, grow. It, but what does that mean? Well, basically, whatever it, you can invest it and accumulate and have it uh, appreciate in value. And then when you take it out to pay for medical expenses at any point in your life, it's a tax-free distribution. Absolute home run. Right. It works like an IRA, even if you want to use it for some retirement planning. Exactly. Right. So everyone says, well, what if I don't have any uh, health expenses? And that's a big what if. I always <laughs> chuckle. I said, OK, if you want to go there, uh, use it just like a regular IRA and you pay normal income tax if you use it for non-qualified expenses on the medical side. So it can be a very, very good tool, probably the most essential tool when it comes to saving for health expenses and also tax deductions, because it is a an above the line deduction. Uh, John, you you like to talk about above the line deductions. What's the significance of that? Well, the above the line deductions are better for you than below the line deductions. So, an IRA, for example, is above the line. You want to take advantage of that; it gives you more clout for your money. So. That's the difference. Yeah. And that basically lowers your taxable income uh, when, when it comes to calculating your taxes. So very, very important. Uh, we also talked a little bit about um, the disability insurance definitions. What, what are some of the definitions people need to look for? Yeah, so I'm going to kind of build up to this one a little slow. So if you're at work, you get short-term and long-term disability insurance. Say something happens outside of work, car accident, who knows what, you file for short-term disability it varies by plan, but say you have to file, they make you wait a week, then they start paying you disability benefits, and usually they'll let that go for 90 days, 180 days, and then they say, okay, if you're still disabled, no longer short-term disability, you go into long-term disability. And this is where the definitions come in. It's a little bit uh, diluted or convoluted, but at that point they say, you start off with an own occupation, which is ideal. They say, if you can't work the duties of your current job, we're going to pay you out for 24 months. That's the own occupation. But if it, you're still disabled after 24 months, we're not going to give you that own occupation period because we don't want to pay you out more unless we have to. Then you go to any occupation which says, if you could go cashier a target or do any gainful employment, we're not going to consider you disabled anymore. Benefits go away. Or yeah. some variants of that. Right. And it could, you could be fully insured, too. It, and that's, again, why the definitions are so critical, because every I don't think we've seen two the same, right? Yeah. For different companies, it, it's completely different. And that's also why we highly recommend, and I personally highly recommend, getting your own private, privately owned disability insurance, because then you know what the definitions are and they move with you. Uh, throughout your career, as long as you have earned income, you're insured under those guidelines as defined by the own occupation rules. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. Really important. One of my clients had uh, had both, and uh, he went out on disability. And what he didn't realize was the first one paid him to age 65, and then it terminated. But the other one, which was a good one, and you can't get him anymore, paid him lifetime, and had an inflation provision in there. 
So he's living on that money now, which is a big difference. Yeah, that's the kind I actually was fortunate enough to get in 2003 is the policy that I've owned. And it's, I say, hey, joke, it's probably the most valuable thing that I own is a lifetime disability benefit. If I become disabled, I, I'm insured for my lifetime, not to age 65. Yeah, it's so incredible. It's, yeah, it's, it's the gold. It's a golden egg when it comes to insurance. Uh, so again, here we are, fourth quarter. October's here. Uh, we have until December thirty first to really tie up the year end tax planning. So this is something we wanted to dig a little deep into uh, with this volatile year with the investment markets. Uh, John, there's an old saying: making lemonade out of a lemon, and that lemon being a down market. What is a tax planning idea when investing in and making some lemonade in a bad year? Well, there's a couple of ideas, even if you have an up year, and that is recognize what your tax bracket is. And you so always, you always uh, so well point out the fact that, you know, you can be in a 20% tax bracket and it uh, takes a lot to get out of there. So perhaps you have capital gains and you want to transfer some of that money to your son who's going to go to college next year. So you can give it to your son. He sells it and pays the ta- uh, would pay the tax, but at his lower tax bracket, it could save you a fortune. Right, and that's really a big deal when it comes to gifting. Uh, so people, a lot of times, often if they're in a good situation where they're providing gifts to uh, family members, maybe children, often they liquidate to cash and then gift the money. Whereas John just said that maybe you might be in an opportunity to gift an appreciated investment to the child, have the child pay the taxes at a much lower rate, and then they they sell it, liquidate it, and use the funds for whatever they need it for. So tax planning on a gifting side is, is significant. Uh, John, what was your other uh, thought there? Well, the other thought is if you're down, so you have a loss out there, you can harvest losses. In other words, sell some of the stuff where you have significant losses and kind of put them in the bank so that you can sell your other stocks that have gains now or later, and you can offset them and not pay any income tax. Yeah, and that's that's an incredible uh, opportunity. And again, a lot of people, you don't like to sell. Like people fear when you, you talk about tax har- lost harvesting is, I don't want to sell it with a loss. But no, you're going to reinvest it right into a similar type of investment. You don't, You can't do the exact same, but you do something very similar, so you're right back into the market, but you have that tax advantage on your side. And those losses, if you don't use them up in, say, 2020, they can roll forward indefinitely, 2021, 22, 23. So, you know, even in 2008, you had people that had years of tax loss harvesting, and that worked to their advantage. So especially if, if tax law changes, you can harvest those losses and, and use them indefinitely moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on another break here. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about Johnny Sestina and Company and managing to be wealthy, you can contact our office at 614-326-3077 or visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. And when we come back, we're going to dig a little deeper into year-end tax planning. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.
Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and we're talking year-end tax planning. Um, I'm of the opinion that a good tax planning uh, financial plan will add octane to your financial plan in general uh, because you keep more. And John, I love how you say, my dad always told me growing up, it's not what you make, it's what you save, which is very good. And you like to say, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Exactly. And that is when it comes in the form of taxes. So tell tell the listeners a little bit about the concept of t- proper tax planning, especially in the fourth quarter or even the first quarter. Well, what's necessary is you have to know who you are financially. And the one place that people fail most is in taxation. They really don't know how much they're paying in taxes. You know, we get people all the time who say, well, I, I didn't pay any taxes last year. In fact, I got a refund. And, of course, then that's when I have a fit. Right. <laughs> because you've given the government your money at zero interest, and that makes no sense at all. So, number one, know where you are and calculate your taxes. You should break even at the end of the year, not pay or not uh, get anything back. So, as you said, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And So, know where you are so that when you make your investment choices and your uh, IRA choices and 401K choices and other tax-deferred programs, that you have some knowledge on it. Yeah, and, and be actually even being an electioneer, you hear a lot of that word loophole, which <laughs> yeah. which bothers me. It is the tax code, the tax law, and use it to your advantage. Use it the way it's written, right? And it's it's not a loophole. This is the way it's written. Use it. And I don't think there's anybody out there that wants to be an aggressive taxpayer. That's right. There's no such thing as a loophole. Congress set up a, a law because they wanted to stimulate something. I mean, that's why, uh, you know, real estate gets so many deals. They want to stimulate housing because in this country forever we've had a housing shortage. Right. And they've, and that's what jumpstarts it. So, so again, you know, use the tax law as written to your advantage. Keep as much as you can because what you keep, you can save. And then you may even be able to spend a little bit more, too, on top of that. So, uh, Spencer, I'm going to kick it to you here. What are some of the first things you look at or when it comes to tax planning? Yeah, and that, that's actually what I was going to say. I always think of tax planning as efficiency, not loopholes, because a lot of the stuff's right out in front of you. It's just it's not really fun to go out and look at the tax code and really evaluate it. So kind of like what you were saying, John, know where you're at. The first thing I look at is what's your income, and then on top of that, what's the withholdings that you have, especially in the context of year-end tax planning. So you've got income withholdings, and then with the income, where are you at in the marginal brackets today? Because that really drives how efficient you can be with the tax planning, in my opinion. Right. And, and it's a it's a pretty fancy word, marginal brackets, right? What does that mean is it means whatever that last dollar or the next dollar you earn in a taxable form, what's the percentage of tax you're going to be paying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's different brackets. So whatever the bracket is, that is the tax. And that's why this is a great time of year. Most people have their 2019 tax return completed. As painful as it may be, pull it out, look at it, compare it, and then look at the numbers on the tax return to the numbers on the pay stubs. It may require an Excel spreadsheet, which is fine. Build it out, right? Because you have two years that are going to be the same exact tax return. The numbers may be different, but then you can start to see where you fall. And that's just a good education on uh, how to learn to plan your taxes. And recognize what's available in this new tax law. I'm shocked at how many people don't realize that the average guy is saving tax money this uh, because of the dramatically increased standard deduction. Uh, you don't have to play all the games. You're not affected by the salt taxes, so to speak. 
and so you're in a better place. So you be, be aware of what you're doing with your money and what the new laws are. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go, John, because that's, that's pretty much the next step in the tax planning. You've got income brackets. It's the standard or the, or the itemized deduction. So, for example, this year, standard deduction is 24800 You said it, for John. For a couple, for a yeah, married couple. For a married couple or half that if you're single. And like you said, John, that's pretty much doubled from the tax code prior to 2017. So then from there, you got to know how you can itemize your deductions, one being if you have pretty high medical expenses – you can maybe do that. Not as common. You've got your state and local taxes, like you said, John. If you're single, it's capped at five thousand dollars. If it's uh, married filing joint, it's ten. And then you've got mortgage interest, charitable giving. Charitable giving is usually the one where people hone in on. That's an X factor, right? The charitable giving is a big X factor where you might be able to itemize. And what what good little tax trick is if if we know that the taxes are going to tax law is going to stay the same, you can lump multiple years worth of charitable giving and there's something out there called a donor advised fund where you fund the money into this donor advised fund capture that tax deduction this year and then you can spread out the charitable giving over indefinitely right right there's one year uh, you could take ten thousand dollars and create a ten thousand dollar deduction this year and then pay it out over a thousand dollars a year to various charities so you have real flexibility it's it's a home run when it comes to tax planning because then next year you can then just take your standard deduction and you've got an extra ten thousand dollar tax deduction between the two years. Yeah, and the nice right. yeah, and the nice thing with donor advised funds is you get the deduction the year you gift the security that appreciated into the fund. So for example, say you got lucky and you bought Apple back in the nineties or you just bought a fund that really appreciated and say you're gonna retire next year. If you know you're going to be given to charity for the next five years, why not just throw a lot of money in that fund, get the deduction, and then you're retiring, income goes down, then you take the standard. Right, exactly. And that, so playing that game of flipping between itemized and standard deduction, it's really a, a great little tool uh, at your disposal. So, again, use the, the laws and the rules that you have in place. Uh, and, Spencer, you made a good point for people who are retiring, right? The year they retire – they're going to, right now, if they're retiring next year, they have a lot of income in 2020, reduction of income in 2021. So a comparison is critical and understanding the tax law is also very important too. Yeah, and recognize we're saying standard, we're taking deductions. Some people believe you can't take deductions anymore. And they don't realize that if you, if you have more of, of deductions beyond the standard deduction, you can do that. So play your taxes, folks. Yep. Yep. And, you know, in the other the other side of charitable giving is the the benefit of that donor advised fund that we had talked about is that's another way you can gift appreciated investments. So if you have a appreciating investment in a taxable account um, after tax money, and as you said, maybe you bought Apple back in the 90s, heavily appreciated home run, right? You can avoid paying all the capital gains tax by transferring those shares into the donor advised fund. So you avoid the capital gains tax, you get the full deduction of the amount that went into the donor advised fund, and then once again, you can dole it out or give it to charity over however long you want to give it, one year, five years, 10 years. So that's a good way is gifting the appreciated securities. And watch the numbers, because remember, you have a standard deduction, and this could be, this has to be above that. Correct. You got to get above that $24,000 threshold. 
Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was thinking of with the efficiency, too. I've talked to people all across the spectrum with the income, and most people don't even know about this. They're just giving cash, and if you had highly appreciated securities, this is just another efficient way to use what's in front of you. Yeah, and even on the uh, state income side, is there any state income tax uh, that you can think of that tax planning? Yeah, first one that comes to mind always with the state, especially in Ohio, is like a 529. If you have kids who you're hoping to save for college for them, you can put in, and it's up to $4,000 per beneficiary. So that's another tool. If you know you're going to be paying for the college expenses, why not save and get a tax deduction today? That, right. How does that work again? Well, you put the you put the money in the 529 plan. Uh, you get your state income tax deduction. The growth in the 529 plan is tax-free. So the account becomes a tax-free account if used for qualified education expenses when your kid goes to college or even now it's uh, private school. Private schooling. Yeah. So it's it's not just college anymore. Well, we're coming up on another break. Uh, you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me this evening, Spencer Hagar, John Sestina. We are all certified financial planners. Again, we thank you for listening and tuning in. If you know anyone that may be of interest on learning more about financial planning, uh, tune into podcasts. Share share the link uh, through iTunes or other podcast mediums. Just search Managing to Be Wealthy. And then we have a good little library of past topics. We've had insurance specialists talk a little bit about myths, uh, p- politics of financial planning in this election and so forth. So we have some really good shows in the past and then hopefully give you a little archive and digging deep into financial planning. So, John, uh, we're going to go a little bit deep here. We were talking some year-end tax planning, but even uh, tax planning can be used as form of estate planning as well. Correct? That's right. You can. There's a couple of areas we want to hit on here. One is if you can, you ought to have a your own business. So, if you're a business owner, you have some flexibility in how your income is coming to you and whether or not it'll be taxed. So keep that in mind. But the other is, if you're charitably inclined, then you can consider, are you ready for the alphabet soup, Stephen? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, QRT, QRT right? Uh, qualified. Qualified. Qualified Residence Personal Trust. Residence Trust. Yep, Yeah, Cooper. right. Yeah. And your CRUT and your all the other guys A grat, a grut. A grut. Yeah. Grut. Glat, yeah. <laughs> it is the alphabet soup. It, it, it really is. is. People get dizzy by listening to it. But this is a very powerful planning tool. So this is probably more for more sophisticated folks. <clears throat> Perhaps you have an office building, for example, or a building, and it has appreciated over the years. And you have this humongous capital gain possibility. And so you can't sell it, per se, because you're going to get cream with taxes. So what you can do is create a trust, a charitable trust, and it can operate in a couple of ways. We may get into that. But you can contribute to this trust, and you are the trustee of this, which means you get to manage it, and you're going to put it in the trust, and then the trust will sell the property, and because it's a charitable trust, it will pay zero income taxes, and then you as the trustee can decide how to use the money for whatever charities uh, you're happy about. 
and and that's really what it's all about is right the local community something that you're you're close to uh, and again, using the tax law as written to your advantage, uh, usually when you have a heavily appreciated investment or an asset, you know, you, you're you're going to get clobbered with taxes. You right. you get three. You can give the money three areas. You can give it to yourself, the government or charity. And you get to pick two of the three. Right. So most of the time people <laughs> put the government last, myself included. Right. So if I have if I have a heavily appreciated asset or investment, I'm looking to charity, right? Some, something close to the community that I can have an impact on, and it, it's pr- very rewarding. It's not about the, the fame or fortune. It's about you adding to your local community and giving in the form of charity. And the beauty is it can be a small enough trust, but big enough trust by the same token that you can have more impact on a local community. How about it? Right. That's a great point. And even and like you said, even the, these trusts doesn't the money doesn't all have to go to charity while you're alive. You can receive the income off of that trust. And then when you pass the residual value, whatever's left over at the end goes to the charity as you defined it. Yeah, this is a beauty because you, the, you have that building you wanted to sell. You needed some retirement income. So the trust sells the property and reinvests it in something else producing income. And then that income goes to you as long as you're alive and perhaps to your spouse if you want to set it up that way. And then at that point when you both are dead, the the money in the trust goes to whatever charity you pick. Yeah. And even in in certain cases, because you're transferring it, uh, it is a tax-free environment, too. So there's a lot of benefits. This is high-end tax planning, charitable giving. Uh, but again, if you're at that, that fortunate situation where you have a very high net worth, high heavily appreciated investment or asset, that's the way to go. Yep, you'll need an attorney, of course, to help you do this. That's exactly it. Now, John, you talked a little bit about owning a business uh, and the tax law when it comes to businesses. I'm sure you're talking about Fortune 500 businesses for all the, all the <laughs> listeners, right? No, I'm talking about <laughs> you starting your own business. You know, my philosophy has always been everyone needs a second business. If you're making too little money, you need a second business because you need the extra cash. But if you're making a whole lot of money, too much money per se, you need a second business to get some more tax deductions. Yeah, I was talking to somebody and they had a nice little hobby of um, they they were trying to teach their kids about and they were making videos on on YouTube and making videos on educating. And it was really peer to peer, kids to kids. So he's helping them do it as a project, blah, blah, blah. And this has been going on for five years. He has a big problem right now. He's selling a lot of advertising revenue on YouTube, <laughs> right? He almost fell into it because he was just doing it for fun. The kids were very engaged. They were adding a lot of content and started to get, and it absolutely exploded back in March and April to the point where he's just, he's not charging, but he's getting advertising revenue based on clicks. He's got a, he's got a really, really good situation right now. Right, and any business will work. I mean, long before all this internet stuff, uh, I knew a lot of people over the years who would start, take their hobby. I think of one guy who had a hobby of uh, costume jewelry. And every night he'd come home from work, and he'd go to his basement, and he'd play by making things. And then people started asking him to buy it and buy it, and so he would sell it. And after a few years, he had five stores in Columbus. Amazing. It happens quite a bit, too, right? It yep. starts as a hobby, and next thing you know, it's a successful venture. That's what I was going to say, too. When I first started financial planning, I guess I always thought of being a business owner as this, you have to have some you know, out-of-this-world idea, something that no one else thought of. It blows me away how many times I ask people, you know, any hobbies you've ever thought starting a business out of? 
seems like eight out of ten people they'll say, yeah, I've thought about this in the past. Why not? I mean, with tax planning, if you're a business owner, there's a lot more opportunity, like you were saying. Yeah, how many people are just love photography? Right, and next thing you know, they're shooting weddings and and graduation photos and baby photos, and and they're getting a good income stream from it. So, as John, as you said, it's a good source of income. So, if you are a small business owner, learn the tax code. Right, learn what you can deduct because that's where the the tax code does benefit the business owners on things you never imagined what you could deduct. Well, think about it. this whole world turns on business. A lot of folks don't realize that, but if there's no business, there's nothing else. And so you having your business, you're going to find that there are some opportunities to use the tax code better. Yeah, and and the tax code is written in favor of the business owner and the businesses. And like you said, if there is no business, there's nothing. That means there's no jobs. Right, jobs jobs no come jobs, from business, no right? Um, <laughs> real estate, nothing. Yeah, so even even sometimes, you know, again, as we said, the hobbies could kick in, form of an income, and next thing you know, you have a um, lot of income, and you got to start learning some tax planning. So it's really really important. The other thing uh, we talked about, anything else on taxes? Go ahead. Yeah, one thing I was going to say because I know we've don't have too much time to get into something completely new. As a business a business owner. There's tax benefits you can get by doing so. I just talked to a couple of individuals, and they're looking at setting up a tuition assistance plan. And that's something that's helping your employees a lot. And I always – I worked at Target. I thought that was something only a Fortune 500 company could offer. You know, there's a lot of these other benefits, too, that would be a little bit complicated to get into, but very helpful. No, that, right. So if you have the flexibility in that tuition assistance program and you know, maybe maybe the kids are employed through the business, they, there's enough dynamic of that business structure where the kids can be employed and it's a way for them to save for college through work. Right. Working in the business, something I'm very familiar with growing up. Um, so, yeah, use the tax code to your advantage. Learn it. Learn your own tax code, look at your own tax return, and try to be as efficient as possible. And I guess something we probably should have said from the beginning, all this different nuance we're talking about, great reason to have an accountant. Someone who <laughs> you can run the ideas by, and they can help you out there, too. Amen. Well, that's a wrap on today's show. Uh, hopefully, it was very insightful. Please tune, again, tune in again next week. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.